Hey guys, welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, my duo's partner for life here, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. Jay, how are you doing here this week, sir? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Uh, I think this week it was less bad news, so to speak. I mean, which we'll talk about. We did trade Boye, but um, it wasn't nearly as bad as Yannick Ngakwe just flat out saying he don't want to be a part of the team and the shenanigans that came with that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm much better than I was last week. I'll admit that much. That is true. And, you know, gave us a little give you guys a little bit of a tease of what we're going to be talking about, of course, with the A.J. Boye news breaking pretty much like the day after we released our last week's episode, which seems to happen a lot. I don't I don't get it. But the main part of this episode and probably why a lot of you guys are here is because we have Jordan Reed on. Uh, we got to talk to him a little bit earlier today about the Jaguars and the NFL draft. Of course, Jordan Reed of the Draft Network, one of the best draft analyst out there and he was kind enough to loan us a little bit of his time so we'll get to that interview here in just a moment before we start i just want to make sure that you guys are checking us out on of course the believe.com at the believe network and you can find us pretty much anywhere you're listening to your podcast which is apple podcast spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in and of course if you guys want to learn how you can support the show stay tuned to the very end and jay and i will let you know how to do that but Let's get right into it here, Jay. Like we said last week, the Jaguars moved on from A.J. Boye, one of the last few pieces remaining from that magical 2017 run. Leonard Fournette came out and went to, took to Instagram and Twitter uh, to, to voice, not really voice his opinion, but show how he felt. Of course, showing that Will Smith meme from the Fresh Prince of him just by himself in the living in the empty living room, kind of looking around for his friends. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic we can get to as far as how long Leonard is going to be, be here. We actually got into that a couple episodes ago, but Jags move on from AJ Boye, fourth round pick to the Denver Broncos. Jay, when this news broke, um, I don't think we were necessarily too surprised that it happened. So what were, what were your reactions? And also, how do you feel about this team just going into, you know, just going to be looking completely different going forward? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that they um, traded him. I thought it was more so much more on the table that they would probably release him for salary cap reasons. And I, I do think like this more so had to do with financial reasons than anything else. Uh, so that being said, uh, I, I'm not surprised that they were able to find a suitor in terms of trading him. I know a lot of people, which we'll kind of get into that later, a lot of people were saying we maybe could have got more but I think what it boiled down to is maybe in it. This is according to Mike Cleese, who covers the Broncos for um, one of the news stations in Denver. Uh, but he was saying uh, the Jaguars basically gave A.J. Boye, you know, they they laid out some teams that they were talking with in terms of wanting to trade him. And they basically let him, you know, choose the best location that he wanted to go to in terms of that. So, you know, that that was a bit of a classy move on their part, because as we all know, this organization has made some some moves that has really ticked players off in the past. And the NFLPA incident is, is one of them. So, like, at least, you know, we could take that from it in terms of the moves that Dave Caldwell is making now that Tom Coughlin is going, uh, you know, maybe they're trying to in terms of how the organization looks, uh, do things better in terms of a business perspective. 
Uh, so that being said, um, you know, we're going to miss AJ uh, in terms of his performance. He was a guy that, in my opinion, I think AJ didn't play to his potential as of the last two years, basically. 2017, of course, you know, he was a second team All-Pro, went to the Pro Bowl. And, and granted, a lot of what hurt AJ probably was the fact that the front seven in front of him declined as well. That didn't help as well. And then there were injuries and this, that, and the other that played into effect. But in, in terms of, you know, what we saw last year out of him, I wasn't personally, I wasn't like overly impressed with his performance. Uh, I remember, I can vividly recall, you went to, I think it was the night game, the Titans and Jaguars. The I think that was week four, uh, the primetime game. And, and you were like, man, A.J. Boye stepped it up, man. Like, he's looking good. But at that time, for me, my case was like, you know, A.J. Brown was a rookie. He's a guy that wasn't running the best routes. He was a guy still learning the game. He might have been a little bit starstruck, if you will, in, in terms of, you know, the defense that was before him. And and he just, you know what I'm saying? Like, as we saw, as the year progressed, he he became a better receiver. And at that point, he just wasn't the guy that we saw at the end of the year. And beside that game, though, like, A.J. Boye didn't really stand out to me in terms of what we were seeing in his early tenure in 2017 and so on and so forth. And again, like I said, I know a lot of pieces were missing this, that, and the other. So, you know, I, I don't think... I mean, it hurts them in the sense that they're they're minus one veteran and and a key veteran at that. But you know, at some point, like you, you had to basically ask yourself, if your day call, well, is AJ Boye worth you know what I'm saying the 15 million dollar cap hit that we're going to take for him? Has the performance we've seen out of him the last two years is it worth it? And then especially with the the defense, the pass rush in front of him declining as well. Like, do you really want to pay? a cornerback that much money when you don't have the pass rush to help him out anyway. And he's not set to, I guess you could say to have success, you know, they were better off cutting weight from that perspective. A fourth round pick, I think is pretty good value for him, especially when you let him decide where he wanted to go. Now, let me ask you this, Jay, because there were some people that were kind of surprised he did go for a fourth because that is the pick that Denver got from San Francisco for Emmanuel Sanders. So do you think, Maybe if the fourth round pick was the going rate, do you think maybe they made a mistake and maybe they could have tried to get something at least a little bit earlier in the fourth round? Because like I said, that is at the end of the fourth. Yeah, I actually uh, talked about this on the TC3 podcast. Shout out to um, my man Darian over there and and the rest of the crew. Uh, But that being said, with the... um, with the compensation they received, I think like it very well was likely that there was a team offering, and this, you know, I don't have an inside source on this. This is just me speculating. It very well could have been a team that was offering a third round pick. But I think the bigger question was, did they want to send him to that team or did they prefer to send him somewhere that he wanted to go instead? You know, it could have been, we'll just throw a name out there. For example, we're just using this for hypotheticals. The Dolphins could have said, hey, we want somebody to pair with Xavier and Howard. We'll give you a third round pick. But you know, if A.J. Boye didn't want to go there and prefer to go to the Broncos, then it's like, well, you know, we'll just take the fourth round pick and, and just make sure we do this guy right. That's been a, a big part of our organization, a locker room leader for us and so on and so forth. That makes a lot of sense. And A.J. was very, very classy in his exit. And, you know, just a guy who, you know, just was such an 
integral part of that 2017 season. Now he leaves the Jags with eight total interceptions, which of course is what a lot of people are going to look at when they, when it comes down to his statistics in the long term. And, and, you know, I just want to bring up this message that he did leave for Jaguar fans that he put out there on social media, Jacksonville, what a ride. If there's one thing I've learned with this organization, it's that you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. I felt that support from the coaching staff to the trainers, equipment managers, front office, down to my teammates, and I am forever grateful for that. To my brothers who I've been through so much with over the past three years, I can't say how much I appreciate working alongside all of you. I've become a stronger player than I ever could have imagined because I've had my teammates pushing me to be great. At the end of the day, we all know that this is a business. As players, we share the same goals as our coaches and organizations to win. Remember, you are more than just an athlete. You are a role model to those who come after us. I wish the fans of Duval much success as the Khan family is definitely working hard to bring positive things to the city. Much love, AJ Boye. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, AJ leaving with class. He came in with class. And, yeah, you know, it was it was kind of – we talked about this, Jay. I, I've told you that before. It, it was kind of sad because AJ was one of the last pieces. You know, all we have left, we got – you know, we have Calais Campbell is still here. And Dee Dee and uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, and some some of those other guys, uh, second and third string guys. But, you know, AJ was just such a big part of that run. And now, like, all of these guys are gone. And, you know, it's it's been documented that maybe AJ and Jalen didn't have the best relationship, especially down the home stretch. And, you know, I, I think I can speak for a lot of Jaguar fans that were definitely going to miss him and wish him all the best, you know, because he was just a great, a great player, great guy here in the community. And I definitely enjoyed having him. and we got to take him away from Houston. So that's a plus, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, it's funny you, you bring that up of how like that 2017 team all just went down the drain afterward. You know, I could never really put my hand on it, my finger on it. And me and you talked about this or text about it earlier. I could never put my finger on why the 2017 season hurt so bad. And it was, for me, it was always bigger than Miles Jack uh, not being down. It was bigger than the the BS calls that they got in that Patriots game. It was something more that I just couldn't quite put my finger on that really upset me about that season. And now it's coming to fruition to me that I knew it wouldn't last past that point. Like I, I felt the, in my opinion, I could feel the, the self-implosion that was coming because we saw some issues within that year, even with all the success they had, we saw some, you know, some things that went on that year that made you wonder, like, you know, can can this thing blow up in our face? And and so on it did, you know, within the next two years or so. So, yeah, man, like it's, it's sad to see them go from that to this. It's sad to see all of these veterans, especially, like you said, the classy ones like AJ, you know what I'm saying? He was just an exemplary leader. You know, I... I can tell that just by how the the players react to him and they look up to him. And, you know, I think he's won like some awards in, in terms of like, you know, off the field and whatnot. So he's just a highly respected dude that, you know, a lot of people really, really looked up to on and off the field. And, you know, I, I wish he could have stayed. I wish, you know, they maybe could have kept him at a cheaper rate. Who knows? Maybe they could have. I don't know. But that being said, man, he'll be missed. And uh, hopefully, you know, at least they can get things together uh, now that he's gone. You know, a true locker room figure that was trying to uh, keep things together in that locker room. 
Absolutely. Like I said, we definitely wish AJ the best and we thank him so much for everything that he has, he did for this organization. So we are now going to move on to our interview with Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. This was a lot of fun. Jay and I got into some really, really good questions with him. And again, shout out to Jordan for joining us here this week on the Believe in Jaguars podcast. So let's get into it right now. Welcome to episode six of Believe in the Jags. Uh, this will probably be inserted into the end of episode six. Joined here by Bill Smith, my partner in crime, and our guest on the line, Jordan Reed of the Draft Network, has been putting in a lot of work this year. Um, feel free to follow him real quick. Going to give him an opportunity to uh, introduce himself and plug his handles and all of that good stuff, and then we'll get right into our draft-related questions. So what's up, Jordan? What's going on with you? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, no problem. No problem at all. If you would, man, real quick, man, let the people know where they can find you and find your work with the Draft Network and uh, plug any other handles that you may want to real quick. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jreednfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. You can also find my work on the draftnetwork.com. We have a lot of exciting things going on over there. Uh, we put up daily content about the nfl the nfl draft we also have a mock draft machine that's been a big hit for us so uh, really excited about that yeah definitely uh me and phil would definitely know about that because we used it like 20 times today already so and i'm referring <laughs> to the mock draft machine yeah i may have used it uh, uh while i was supposed to be uh doing some of the things at work but you know we won't <laughs> confirm or deny that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that being said, man, we'll get right into the questions. I guess I'll start with the first one. Um, so back in January with the Jaguars Wire of USA Today, I basically did a list of the team's needs at the time coming out of the regular season. And I listed linebacker atop the list as number one uh, because at the time it did definitely seem that way. Uh, but now with A.J. Boye getting traded, I think most would agree that it's probably cornerback would be probably number one now and linebacker maybe number two or three on that list. Uh, that being said, um, who are some uh, options and fits for the Jags, in your opinion, at the cornerback position? And also, uh, while you're at it, uh, how would you rank the Jags' needs, in your opinion? Um, well, the Jags are in a really interesting spot right now just because, I mean, I'm just be honest, I think Doug Marone is in a lame duck year. Um, we'll see what the long-term plans are for him. But uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to be gone after this year, and it really was a surprise to a lot of people that he came back. So um, that AFC Championship game seems like – appearance seems like it was 10 years ago now that when they played the Patriots a few years ago. But um, that roster, uh, that team pretty much has been gutted since then. But the biggest need, I think, is spot on with that. I think corner, I think that's an area that they need to address uh, secondary in general. I think that's an area that – they definitely need to address, especially after the A.J. Bouye trade. Uh, they don't have any really notable corners that I think they're really comfortable about. Uh, D.J. Hayden is a guy that they brought over a couple of years ago, but I don't think they're really comfortable uh, with him. So I think cornerback definitely is an area that they need to address. I think defensive tackle is another area. I think that's an underrated need for this team just because Marcel Darius, we know they've already declined his option. They're just not going to pay him $14.5 million going into next year. So uh, Taven Bryan is another name that really hasn't come along uh, as they had hoped uh, when they took him in the first round a couple of years ago. So I think defensive tackle is an underrated area of need. I know they have Aubrey Jones there who's been a productive player, 
Uh, Calais Campbell, of course, is another productive player for them. But I still think they need to replenish some talent on the interior. So I think corner and definitely defensive tackle. And I think receiver, I would like to see him get another another weapon. I know DJ Chark really came along. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is starting to come along a little bit as well. But I still think they need one more guy opposite of those two. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, especially with what you said about the uh, the defensive tackle position in particular. I think it's an underrated need because even if you factor in Marcel Darius maybe coming back on a, a one-year deal or whatever the case may be, in fact, they're in the fact that Calais Campbell is a pro bowler. The fact of the matter is both of those players um, are over the age of 29 years old. So, yeah, they do need to get younger there. Like you said, they do have Taven Bryan for sure. Uh, but, you know, he hasn't really, you know, he's been hit or miss, especially last year. He hasn't really developed into that first-round talent like they had hope. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on a lot of that in, in terms of their needs. So uh, I'm going to pass the next question off to Phil real quick. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does certainly feel like a long time ago, that 2017 championship appearance. We we're just so desperate to try and get back there as soon as possible. So that being said, you know, you did get to go to the Senior Bowl and the Combine. I want to talk about maybe some standouts from each individual event that really stood out in your eyes. Yeah, there was quite a bit, and I'm not going to talk about the quarterbacks just because we know the Jags probably aren't taking one. Just depending on how they they depend on depending on how they feel about Gardner Minshew, I think they feel pretty comfortable about him going forward. But we'll see. The post contract is something that's going to be a highly debated topic. But I thought all the quarterbacks played really well uh, there at the Senior Bowl. But one player just speaking on the Jags that I think they should have a tremendous amount of interest in, uh, whether that's at the ninth overall pick or if he even does slip to the 20th overall pick, we'll see what does happen with him. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina, I think he would be a terrific fit. And he reminds me of a guy that played for the Jags quite a long time ago. I don't know if you guys remember this name. You might be a little bit too young, but Marcus Stroud is one name that he does remind yes, me. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> Kinlaw, has, Kinlaw has very similar qualities to Stroud coming out. Both played in the SEC. Both have that long and lanky frame. Um, both are very, very polished coming out. So I think Ken Law is one name that should interest them a whole bunch. And he is one name I definitely would have circled if I was the Jaguars. Yeah, uh, Jay, you and I, I mean, have just I think we've been on this Kinlaw bandwagon for for a few months now. I remember when you first pointed him out, I was like, oh, my God, who is that guy? And then when he came out of the, you know, came out of the senior bowl, had that great week, you know, it was it really wasn't surprising to us. So I know the two of us personally, Jay, will be pretty happy about that. So uh, moving on to the next guy, the next guy, Jay, why don't you talk to him about another player that we we don't think will be there. But I mean, it would be pretty amazing if he was. Yeah, yeah. Well, the remaining, uh, yeah, remaining on the subjects of, uh, you know, players that the Jazz could take at nine. Uh, Jeff Okuda is one that a lot of the fans have been hoping for in terms of they, we understand we are well aware and, and that's including the media too, that he likely won't be there at nine, but they're hoping he slides or Derek Brown is, you know, those are two of the best case scenarios uh, what do you think about the chances of either of those play players, which you, you actually talked on um, defensive tackles a little bit, but what, what are your chances or how do you feel are the chances of either of those two young men falling to the Jaguars at the number nine overall pick? I don't think it's more likely with um, Derek Brown as opposed to Akuda, just because I think Akuda is probably going to end up being a top five pick, whether that's at three to Detroit or some other team probably trading up for him. I just don't see him making it out of the top seven picks. 
And, you know, Detroit will be put in a situation where they do trade back for a QB needy team, but I just don't see them trading farther back than the top seven. And it's either going to be Brown or Akuda to me for them. Uh, I don't think – or I'll say Brown, Akuda, or Simmons, Isaiah Simmons for, for their pick, whether that's at three, you know, five, six, or seven, depending on if they trade with Carolina, you know, Los Angeles, or whoever does, or Miami, if either one of those guys decide to jump uh, each other to get to or somebody of that nature. So I think Akuda is going to be pegged to the Lions three through seven of some sort. So I think Derek Brown is definitely more of a realistic situation. And I think he would be a great pick just because I think just pairing him alongside that interior of Calais Campbell and Josh Allen and some of these names that the Jaguars are starting to stockpile, I really like him in that area. And just thinking about the glory days of the Jaguars, it's always been about the defensive line. That's really where the identity has began. That's really where it all started. So just imagine Derek Brown along the interior with some of the other names that they do already have. I think that would be a tremendous pickup. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm a big fan of getting Derrick Brown there. They uh, struggled against the run without Darius. Uh, Derrick Brown is a guy to me that would be great against the run, a uh, good run stuffer. He can eat double teams. Um, people have even gone on to say that he's, you know, uh, a pretty solid interior pass rusher, kind of like a three technique deal. So uh, either way, whatever the Jacks need him for, he definitely fits a need for them. And uh, that being said, we're going to pass off the next question to Phil. Yeah, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already here, Jordan, and talking about a, a need that maybe people aren't looking at as much of, and that is re- receiver. Now, this is just a crazy draft when it comes to wide receivers. I mean, it, it, the class is very deep. So, um, you know, who could be in range for the Jags? Maybe not necessarily a pick nine because they have other pressing needs, but they do have that pick at number 20. And then, of course, they have uh, you know a plethora of picks between two, three, and four. So, who is a receiver? Think maybe they could slot to us that would help out Minshew in his development, and uh, you know really just move this offense as, as forward as possible from a team that really just you know since the you know, even with the Blake Bortle era, we've struggled offensively trying to find those complementary guys. Yeah, so the Jags receiving core is kind of interesting just because they have a different variety of a different type of guy. DJ Clark is more of a deep threat. Why well, the other guys that really worked the underneath areas, and I really like that Chark really came along really nicely last last year. Didi Westbrook is kind of your jack of all trades that really works all different areas, and Marquise Lee really is what he is at this point. Um, but I think with the Jags, they just need a guy to be a playmaker, and I think they're probably going to be out of range for the top twenty guy or the top three guys, I should say. I think all those guys will go top fifteen. Speaking of C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs, I think both of those guys definitely will be gone. Uh, outside of the top 15. So now you're getting to that second tier of guys like LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, Jalen Rager from TCU, and even a Justin Jefferson from LSU, and also a Denzel Mims from Baylor. It's just a matter of how comfortable the Jags are taking those guys that early. I think it's kind of early for any of those guys. Uh, in my personal opinion, I wouldn't pick any of them top 20 where the Jaguars have them right now. But if I had to pick one, I think LaVisca Chenault is one guy that really fits them a little bit better just because they have all these guys that can fit in the certain areas of the field, but now they need that guy that's just an overall playmaker that you can get creative with. You can put him at running back, you can put him at slot receiver, you can put him at outside, and he's even played some tight end in a sense as well. So he's a guy that really works all areas of the field, but you can use him on short motions. You can bring him in motion to give him some handoffs. It's just getting the ball in his hands as quickly as possible and let his playmaking abilities take over. So I like his fit in Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm sure the, the – I mean, this it's, it's just wild – how crazy this fan base has gone for for Minshew. So I know they would be all for 
getting him the best weapons possible. And then really quick, just before we let you go, this, the very last question I just want to throw in here, Jay, is do you think just with all this, you know, all this quarterback talk that's going on, this, all, all this stuff, do you think there's anybody that's going to really covet like a Jordan Love really bad that would maybe willingly want to jump up to nine and switch it up with the Jags just really quick? Is there anybody you think that might do that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Oakland is one team that definitely could do it. Uh, Indianapolis is another team that definitely could do it. And there's always some later on teams like the Saints maybe looking to take make a big jump. I mean, they did a couple of years ago when they came up from Marcus Davenport. They traded up all the way from 30, I believe it was, to like 15 and 16 to get him. So I don't think it's out of the realm at all. So the Jags definitely could be in a good situation if they're not comfortable taking a, a Derrick Brown or a C.J. Henderson or somebody of that nature that early. They could slide back a couple spots and still get one of those two, in my opinion, if a team that's trying to come up a QB needy team like Indianapolis that's at 14 trying to come up and get Jordan Love. So I definitely think that's a situation that they could find themselves in. Awesome. Sorry, Jay. I just had to slide that in there because we just, just hear much about Jordan Love, to like, especially to like Indy. I just, I just had to know while, while we had him on. So, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. What else you got for, for him, Jay? Uh, yeah. Well, real quick, I, since you slid one question in there, I'll slide a quick one in there. Uh, so like, with the when you look at the Jags on film, Miles Jack is a guy that didn't really look like a fit at uh at the Mike linebacker position. Uh, are there any guys in that top two rounds uh, that you think that could the Jags can land at Mike linebacker and maybe kick him back out to weak side or strong side? Yeah, I mean, there's there's three top guys that I, that I think are firmly going to go in the first round. Isaiah Simmons is one guy. We'll see if he's out of reach for the Jaguars at nine, but he's not necessarily just a Mike. He's a guy that can play all over the field. I mean, you guys have seen him. You have to pause the screen when you're watching him just because you don't really know where he's aligned pre-snap. So I don't think he would be a good fit for them at Mike unless they're looking for an overall chess piece to move all over the place. Then they would like Simmons. But the other two guys definitely are Mike's. And Patrick Queen from LSU, a one-year starter, didn't really necessarily start this year. He actually lost out on the positional battle. He ended up starting the last 11 games of the year, and he was just absolutely phenomenal. So <clears throat> if you're looking for guys that can go sideline to sideline, and he definitely is your guy. Reminds me a lot of Levante David coming out of Nebraska a couple years ago. So uh, I definitely think he could be a good fit for them if they're looking for another Mike. Uh, a guy that's more of a natural fit as a Mike is Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, a guy that I think is probably going to go end up going inside the top 20 picks just because he's been a three-year starter at Oklahoma. He was the engine. He was the engine of that defense, I should say. Now he does struggle a little bit as far as his processing inside the box, but that's something that a lot of teams feel he's just going to improve on as he continues to gain more reps at the position. So Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, if you're looking for a Mike, I definitely think them are the two two best fits. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Kenneth Murray, and uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on much of what you said about him. So yeah, I, I think he is a guy that they might look at at 20. Uh, although that you know they have said they're open to either way keeping him at the mic or moving him i guess it just depends on like how the draft uh falls to them and or how free agency too as well falls to them for that matter so uh yeah all of that said man once again man we're gonna wrap it up right now and if you would once again for the people just let them know where they can find all your work which me and phil are big fans of from your scouting reports to you name it and uh yeah also your social media handles well, I appreciate you guys' support for having me on. But um, you can find me on Twitter at jreidnfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D NFL. You can also find my work on the draftnetwork.com. So make sure to go check those things out. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that will do it. My man Jordan Reed, 
James Johnson here and Phil Smith. We are signing out. All right, folks. Well, that was our interview with Jordan Reed of the Draft Network, and we just really appreciated him coming on again. And we hope you guys enjoyed that as well, because we definitely got a lot out of it. And, you know, as far as this offseason, we're going to have a lot more really, really cool guests that we're hoping to get on for you. And um, yeah, I hope once again, like I said, hope you guys enjoyed that. But that was it for episode six of Believe in the Jaguars here on the Believe podcasting network and uh you know i mentioned here at the beginning of the show there's there are a couple ways that you can really support us one of them is going to apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review if you feel like we have earned it we really appreciate those of you who have done that so far it's like we mentioned almost every week the feedback has been great and, and we really really appreciate it but there is also another way that you guys can support the podcast and jay we'll get into that right now yeah feel free to check us out we have a patreon that's patreon.com slash believe in the jags And uh, also, if you all have questions as well that you want to have us play at the end of an episode or what have you, you can feel free to email us those questions. Believe in the Jags at gmail.com. And we also have a voicemail set up on Google Voice, which you can call us and leave messages. That's 478-227-3907. So we appreciate all the support. And, uh, you know, keep, of course, we're at believe.com and at believe podcast. You can find myself on social media at Twitter at Phil, the Filipino. That is F I L I P I N O. And Jay is over at sports grind underscore Don. And thank you guys so much. This has been the believe in the Jaguars podcast on the believe podcast network. We believe do you, we will see you next week, guys.